You're listening to Seen the Sequel, the movie podcast about sequels to films that were never made, probably for good reason. This week, we are talking about 2001's romantic comedy, Amelie, directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet and starring Audrey Tattoo. And, as ever, alongside me, three men who, in French, I had two heart attacks, an abortion, did crack while I was pregnant. Other than that, I'm fine. I've got Al, I've got Joe, and I've got John. Welcome back, guys. As you know, each episode, we have got 30 minutes to discuss a film, and then we've got to come up with a sequel. We've got to cast a sequel, we've got to put a director to it, we've got to name it, and someone, at the end, has to sum it all up in an all-important pitch. Well, as ever, we've all watched the film recently, so let's go round the room to our roving, raving pundits. Joe, Amelie, bit of you? I just, I just finished watching it just um, 10 minutes ago. First um, time? No, no, no. Like first, first time in uh, probably like 15 years. Uh, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long time, but I did watch it, you know, a few times back around when it came out. So I was a sort of teenager and, and, and basically that was like the, you know, peak of me watching just like everything that came out, everything that was big in, uh, you know, cinema around like the sort of like basically from 98 I'd say to 2003 were the, the the golden years of me watching everything. Amelie was right up there as a as a as a favorite um, on rewatch. I was kind of not dreading it, but I, I did. Uh, I, I guess I felt a bit like how I went back in on um, Ferris Bueller, like these ones that you've got a bit of like nostalgia that are attached to a certain time in your life. And I thought this might be a bit twee and a bit naff. Um, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, I fucking loved it. It's it's brilliant. Um, I think it's it's a stunning piece of work, uh, and it's really it's you know it's it's funny. I was laughing throughout. Uh, it's it's impeccably shot, beautiful, stunning. Um, you know, like costume design, uh, set design is unbelievable. Um, it's so it's so good to look at as a film. I think it's it's incredible. Um, and that's without getting into like, you know, the, the story, which is just really nice and sweet and great characters and, you know, quirky, unusual fun. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Nice. Uh, Al? Yeah, I know what you mean. The, I think for our age, it was a popular DVD, wasn't it? And didn't it have like a yellow case or a green case or something green like case. that? Green. Yeah, yeah, green case. It was, it definitely um, was, you know, out there a lot for a foreign movie, sort of, you know, um, it was quite a commonplace DVD you'd see on people's shelves. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I really like it. I've, I, similar to Joe, I hadn't rewatched it. I think it was on at uni quite a lot. And then strangely, like when you're at university, like every film becomes a stoner film almost. And, you know, weed makes every film better or whatever. Mm. And Amelie was definitely one like that, right? Because it's just so rich in so many ways. Um, obviously impeccably shot, really sweet um, characters. It kind of reminds me of, in a weird way, there's this kind of rear window element of like the of the the, the, the supporting characters. Do you know what I mean? And um, and how we sort of track their story. I mean, I know Amelie has more of an influence, but like you know, their stories are kind of tracked, um, you know, simultaneously. I guess watching it now, it feels you know Wes Anderson would be an obvious comparison to make mm. on a stylistic level. Um, what I found interesting was checking it out, you know, after, just after I finished it, was that Tenenbaums was the same year as this. And I think that that identity of Wes Anderson, kind of, that we associate with him was Tenenbaums onwards. I don't think Rushmore and Bottle Rocket you would associate 
as much, which were not as much, which yeah, were yeah, which agree. before Am, which was before Amelie. Um, so there isn't an influence there necessarily. Um, yeah, lovely piece of work. I mean, all I will say, I, I did kind of remember it as I was watching it. Like by the last half an hour. She's fucking frustrating me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh. you're not, you ever fall in love with her then? I'm like, ah, oh, God, come on, like, you know, come <laughs> on, dreaming woman, you know, get it together. Like, I'm just like, come on, like that time. <laughs> like you know, I love the, I love when he, you know, the 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 the, the statue, the living statue, and the binoculars bit. Oh, nearly, nearly, nearly every time from there, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a bit twitchy. Like for God's sake, like. Even yeah. when she's like imagined him and the beads go and it's just the cat. I'm like, this is actually what you're imagining. He's at the door. Still not letting him in. Um, anyway, obviously very happy ending though. So, you know, make peace with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, mate. Um, you sound in turmoil. You're right. It just, it, she, you know, I'm just willing her to step out, you know, and that's obviously the whole point. But, um, you know, so I guess it's job done on that front. But yeah, I'll leave it there. Thanks, mate. John? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I agree with all of, all of those from... Oh, and Joe. Um, yeah, the real window thing's interesting because she is she is a voyeur. Um, but that's what um that's kind of what makes her great. Like, and that's what the film is great, is because of her. Like she's really coy and shy, but the way she sees the world, she ways she interprets the world, like when she's watching faces of people in cinema or taking that guy through, the blind guy through and explaining what's going on and stuff. Like you feel really connected to her because you're seeing everything through her eyes. Like I think, um, I mean, compared to books, films are often about watching people do things, whereas books are like being in the mind of someone. But I think this is an example of you really do feel like you're inside her mind. Like you really do understand. And the film's about understanding how she sees things more than just looking at what she does. Um, I agree with that. Like that's so, the whole point of the, sty- the stylistic, right? Because like, you know, when they're finally face to face and they're kissing each other, everything strips down. Yeah. Because she's, yeah. she's finally out. Because they said she always retreated into her imagination. That's finally over when she's... Yeah face to face yeah and and that because you're inside her head and you see how she sees the world like that you really feel connected to like how compassionate she is how empathetic she is like you want to be her friend like you thought you you do fall in love with her because you understand her inside you don't just understand what her actions you understand her like as a person um so i think that's the greatest strength for the movie really like you feel just incredibly connected to that character in a way that i think very very few films i think certainly american films don't do it very well they are action and plot focused whereas this is about just being inside a character um very rare for a film to achieve that i suppose it's i suppose that throughout this film that it's a film about the details in life right as well so i think that's summed up with the first piece of voiceover which is about the insect that then get then gets run over right and then you know with it when you when you get those details whether it's stripping the carcass of the chicken or you know mm. just slightly switching the creme brulee, the, bit. The, creme yeah. brulee the creme brulee mm. the swipe slightly switching the um the the door handle like so a guy's hand is always in the same position the whole time like like funny with those when you go when you when you focus on those details which is completely one of the charms of the film um then you get it the the richness of the characters is going to come through right Mm. i guess you know the thing the thing for me is always i don't know the first thing i thought of when we're going to go and watch this is the gnome it's the gnome traveling around the world with the Polaroids. I mean, that's it's, it's been great. done before, but it's beautiful. The other thing I thought about was at the time, <laughs> aside from the, the aside from the Matrix, this film feels one of the first graded films. It has a, a specific look, doesn't it, Emily? 
Yeah, well, it switches between that, doesn't it? Like it's often got that yellowy sort of like golden hour overblown, almost like gladiator like um, sheen to it. But then there's also those deep reds that are like, the, it's the love, isn't it? Like when she connects with someone and she feels the love from someone, it's the, often the film just fires red at you so hard. It's like in the, a, subway, in the subway scene, there's a giant red poster behind there's, them. Yeah, there's a very warm uh, grade to the whole thing, isn't there? It just feels yeah. very, it was, yeah, feels but the very green- cuddly. The greens very, are incredibly bold, very as, green. bold I was as well. Say that. So, mm. and that actually remind you know, like I know it sounds crazy, but like that, you can sort of see that in Alien Resurrection. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. You know, you know, you can see that green. So, I know it's it sounds ludicrous, but there are those similarities there. And I, I haven't seen his whole breadth of work. I think I saw the City okay. of Lost, Lost yeah, Children. Yeah, so I saw, I saw, exactly. I saw City yeah. of Lost exactly. Children before this, and that has got that. I mean, that takes it to a new. That's, that's exactly. another exactly. level. That's incredibly green throughout. Yeah, but um, awesome. I mean. Can we talk about the soundtrack? Because when one thing that uh, I was obsessed by this film when it came out, uh, and the soundtrack, I actually just <laughs> wrote my own Amelie soundtrack, which I might tag on one song to the end of this, because I was just so enamoured with the, the beautiful naivety of the film and how it transpired. And I was just waltzing everywhere through life during that period. I know it sounds twee, but it was a film <laughs> like you in no Leicester other. Square, spinning around <laughs> with an umbrella in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, the film came along at a time when we really needed it. You know, it's 2001, so it was such a come down right at the sort of 2000 mark. And I think it was just there to sort of say, right, it's all right. Let's just keep away from everything. And here's a beautiful story, a foreign language film, and the success it had. And you're right, the DVDs were everywhere. It is a student film. That's a significant piece of work. Now, it's not so much uh, of a story that a foreign language film, Parasite, for example, gets so much press and attention. But back then, I think Amelie was the star of a new popular wave of French cinema again in in this country I might be completely off by that no I think you're right it it won major awards as well didn't it it won uh, like the BAFTA I think for for screenplay so it it was it wasn't like it it wasn't just winning in the foreign film categories at these at these um, awards it it broke through there's yeah. an interesting quirk. I think this is right. Embarrassing if it's not, but I believe it was rated U or the equivalent of U in France. Whereas in the States, it's an R-rated film because of the scenes of people orgasming. In France, that's totally Ooh. fine. In America, <laughs> boom, R-rating immediately. <laughs> Amelie's an R-rated film. <laughs> you got, you got, to, you got to love the French. <laughs> okay, well, look, here we go. Uh, Amelie 2. What's she up to now then? What's going on in her life? Is she happy? Monsieur Gilgobois. Who wants to pick things up with Amelie? Because that's the end of the first film. As we know, it's a lovely little montage. They're zooming about on the moped and see all of the characters in the film. And her dad finally packs his bags and off he goes. And what a lovely turnaround. So a perfect ending to a perfect film. Who wants to uh, who wants to pick this one up? I like the, um, the, I think from, you remember like going on holiday as a kid, I mean, I do anyway, like one thing I like about it is sort of, it's 90s setting as well. There's things like the little, like the moped and like the cars and like some of the, some of the products in the, in the restaurant stuff. It reminds me of when I was there. So, and I guess that's one of the things that's interesting about it, the way it straddles reality and, and a hyper real world. Like and, fantasy, I think, and I think, and I think the most unusual element of that is the princess Diana element sort of sits strangely in the film. I like the fact that it, her life was going to change forever on that day. And it's mm. nothing to do with Diana. It's just yeah. to do with the fact that she drops the little thing. So, you know, it's a way, it's a way reality affect. I guess that's the way it works. It's the way reality affected her 
universe. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that, and therefore we're stepping into that universe. Mm. Well, I like the idea of of her leaving behind a box or time capsule that maybe she left before she was happy. So maybe all of her anxieties and everything that's going on there. That's, that's a nice idea. So some maybe some she leaves it in the flat that she's since moved out on, and this film starts with someone in her flat. Well, I was going to say that we keep it in her perspective. It's Amelie too. So we, so you start dropping things in that this person who's found her time capsule is is doing, like she did. But so we are sort of unraveling the mystery with Amelie. Nice, like it. Okay, what are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, it's a good, it's a good setup. It's not what I had. What I had is not as good, which was. Uh, you know, she's good. stuff we've done before. Uh, where, <laughs> where you know, you, you, you know <laughs> the kids get get the kids <laughs> in. We're going back. Um, yeah, no, it was kids. It was kids. It was a, it was a uh, you know twenty years later um, montage at the beginning where you fill the gaps of that twenty years, just like the first film does start where you know it starts with her birth, doesn't it? And, and I guess you start with the the birth of uh, their children this time around, uh, building up to an event. And I don't know what that event is that triggers, you know, a similar a similar thing. Uh, something something needs fixing. Uh, with multiple char- characters. Um, well, what yeah. about this? I think you've hit the nail on the head in an adverse way. I think that if, if they find the time capsule, that's great because it sums up her life at that point. What about if her, Monsieur Quelcompois, got married, had a lovely life, but the sadness within Amelie is that she finds out that she can't have children. And therefore, slowly through her life, she's carrying now a sadness that no matter how happy she is in, in love and with marriage, that's the one thing that she can't physically have is children. So maybe it leads to the adoption of, of a son or someone equally as complicated as her coming in, that she has a sort of breakdown, their understanding of relationship. Well, I suppose, given that the first film, <clears throat> the only film, the first one, um, is um, <clears throat> so much about happiness, I suppose it would be natural to balance it off with sadness, which is an equal part of life. But I feel the film still has to have a positive message, right? It can't, it can't not that sadness is not positive, but it needs to be an uplifting ending, I suppose. Um, I think one of the main questions is, is she still with... Um, Nino, Neil, and Nina. Um, yeah, um, because like, was her character and this kind of uh, sort of her fairy tale vision of things and this sort of uh, you know she's she's all over the place. She's like doing this, doing that, helping this person, helping that person. She's here. Would that be able to like sustain a relationship with someone? It's a big question, isn't it? Because it's by by finally getting with him and finally. It it's changed. It will change her, and that's the whole point of the the, the original story. So, what's that I think she's be? in it for the long haul. She's a decent enough person that ups and downs. I think she'd stick with it, but we. I think there would be adversity in the way, and either that's maybe an angle that she couldn't have children, or maybe he has children naively from a previous marriage, or there's an ex-wife, or there's his <laughs> yeah, family yeah. that are, he's but, been divorced something. fifteen times, and she's she's only just yeah. found out. <laughs> I, um, he, he actually was banging all the strippers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought, uh, I, the, the thought um, of, of them not being together anymore uh, didn't cross my mind because that kind of like, you know, just, like, I don't know, make, makes the first film kind of irrelevant, doesn't it? And, and, and yeah. it feel, feels like you ruined some of that magic by just having, then they split up. It's like, you know, I, I thought the only way you could achieve that is if he's dead. Um, or, or something dramatic, <laughs> something very yeah. dramatic has happened, uh, rather th- than 
I uh, think they, uh, they just broke up. I think they're still together as well, Joe. I think they're still together and, and they have had ups and downs. Maybe there's a whole lot of, the, the father will be dead. So maybe they're in that house now. <laughs> he might not. Well, what about this? I, think I don't know, was, 20 years? I, I don't know. I don't maybe, think so. I, used, maybe, I think he was about maybe. 60. T- touch and go. Seven. I'm killing him off. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, there Al- you go, Al. Al, there's a perfect thing there. The death of her father. Exactly. The film starts with him just going... Emily's world stops in Subtle. some in some sort of black. <laughs> wonder what's happened there. Um, in some sort of black comedic way, yeah. And maybe yeah. one thing I love the some of the photography, as we've said, it's not just beautiful; it's ambitious in this film. Like it's a great mm. Parisian shoot. Like I'm thinking of some of the the crane shots in the station and stuff like that. So I'd love to be able to. Maybe she starts in the country house and she's out and. And what hap- you know, what happens pulls a- pulls them back to Paris. Well, she's got a dark. She needs to have. I think the whole centre about the film is, irrespective of what the event is, Emily will have a dark cloud that she needs to overcome, and with the help of either her friends, her family, her children, whatever that cloud is, that's her new. That's the film. So I guess the message then is that in the first one, it's her happiness and everything eventually finds her to love but in this one her happiness and her personality makes her overcome difficult things is that what we're saying yeah i think so are we doing the time capsule are we doing that like you know there's some there's a mystery person sending her notes and stuff like that and she's finding things around you know she's finding things in her pocket that kind of thing so someone who's found her time capsule to 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 remind her who she is so basically that that dad drops dead she is you know she's she loses that innocence i suppose how how about then, this? How about a a child finds her time exa- capsule? Exactly. She can't have, she can't have children, and um, so rather rather than ending it with like you know it's all fine because she adopted children, which I think is a bit it's not it's not great that <laughs> it's um, a bit shallow. Uh, it's a bit yeah. shallow, exactly. Uh, how about she doesn't need children? She needs uh, relationships, and she needs friends around her, and she needs you know some, something else. And this child who finds her time capsule. Uh, help sort of like unlock that in her. I know. I thought that I I started going down the horrible route of like, oh, maybe the child who finds the time capsule could be an orphan and like <laughs> e- e- eating out of bins and stuff. And she sort of <laughs> takes her, takes her in. Um, I thought it might it might be Emily, like, and it's a time travel movie, and it's it's a young Emily sending messages to Emily. Ooh, that's cool. right. Okay, let's let's, t- let's take five <laughs> steps back. I think where we're going with this, you nailed it. She needs her support of friends and family, so that gives us a chance to pull in some of the old characters, Georgette. You know. Those all those quen- you know. I think you're bringing a lot of those characters back. Yes, and, and 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 in my head, Amelie now runs that cafe. Right, that's her cafe. Great uh, idea. Yeah, great and, idea. And that's ma- the name of the film. That's may- the name of the film. Maybe the film ne- was cafe. Ne- to- Nino runs a pawn shop. <laughs> Not pawn. P A W. No, no. He's now taken over the you know the sex shop. Oh, I was going to say he runs he runs the photo booth like company supply company. Yeah, that's probably more likely. <laughs> no, poor shot, mate. I uh, what do you make of the the, the tobacconist? Um, the relationship sort of getting a bit dark. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? I'm, I'm like, I'm not sure how that sits to me. I'm like, oh, everything's sort of wrapped up beautifully, apart from he becomes a bit of a obsessive dick. <laughs> He's a bit of a tosser, isn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, um, I was just yeah, I'm sort of forgot about that. When I it's a bit odd, it, but it comes good at the end when um, you know, like he he plays he plays a pivotal role, doesn't he, in revealing where where uh, Nino has gone. That's right. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the because the note and uh, the, you overheard them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all quite quite light and jovial, isn't it? Yeah. So apart from the the tragic tobacconist who's who's in an abusive relationship. Yes. <laughs> so that's where the film is. Then ultimately, our starting point is we understand we look at her life now. She's as happy as she can be. Her dad dies, and then she's we since understand that she's been trying to have children but can't have children, and it's her friends now trying to bring her back to her former happy self she runs a cafe uh, but you know her life is on a downward pitch now and all her friends are trying to interject in a way that she would have done previously well i think it it, it possibly like triggers something in her that sends her down a bit of a spiral of of like the first movie she's trying to fix other people's you know problems or she's trying to fix other things it sends her down a bit of a like you know social justice sort of like you know she gets a cape back on and a, a, social and a, a justice toast. well that's what she does right she you know she puts mm. on her mask a zorro mask and she mm. goes out there trying to fix things so i think it puts it sends her down that again except that she's she's making a mess of things yeah and really what Great she needs angle. to do is look inside herself and well, well, Great yeah, exactly. Angle. Because it could be that when this horrible event happens in her life, she could think like, oh, fate has decided that I don't deserve happiness and I'm here only to make other people happy. But then maybe by the end, she could, like Joe says, like look inside herself and her friends and whoever can convince her that no, she does deserve her own happiness as well. Lovely. Well, the Love way the, the story you guys have managed to find find here suggests to me that Kasovitz, um, he's he's dead. Why? Because <laughs> well, that's more of a, a monumental, tragic event rather than an inevitability. You know, an inevitability. Oh, what, her not being able to have children is not... A, a, that's a good point. I think, I think that's a fair... You know, well, I, think I just think, I just think you're, talk, you're talking about her friends and stuff. If she's with him, that's diluted. Like, she's not alone. I don't know. I'm just... Um, yeah, well, she no, could get, get paranoid, that. you know, if she's working... If he's still working in the pawn shop, unfortunately, her life starts to unravel. <laughs> You know, if he's just getting, a, I mean, it's just all of the sort of um, paranoia about who's he with, why are you working late, you know, what's all this of her friends. What's I don't this know. going? I don't know. She thinks he's just following around town trying to find out who his mistress one is. Of the, one of the beautiful yeah. things about the original, isn't it, that like he, one of his jobs is in the pawn shop, but there's the innocence there. Like you trust, you know, you trust him. There's nothing seedy. Yeah, not anymore. So, nothing seedy. We're just going to just destroy that. Yeah. And he's, no, he's like. Well, you that, want him dead. I'm trying to keep him alive. <laughs> And it turns out you can't work in a porn stock without being a total cheating wanker. Well, literally okay, a wanker. So, so let's start talking about um, cast. I mean, we, we're going to bring everyone everyone back that we can bring back that Al hasn't killed off. Is that fair? Yeah, I guess so. Um, bully, um, bully greengrocer, um, old man painter, Mister Glass will be. Will no, he's prob- got to be gone. He, he's got to be gone, gone. I guess. Yeah, yeah. We need a we need a young, uh, uh, you know, a, a child uh, who I'm. I'm not. I'm not that au fait with like the French child actors. Uh, like you know, you say Timothy, Sh- Timothy Chalamet. Nailed it. I think fit. we should just cast an American child and get them to speak French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say. Let's say. You know, obviously. I mean, we're not going to be big on on the 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 child acting French. I think world, un- so let's un- just move. unknown uh, French uh, young girl uh, that 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 you know reminds Amelie of herself as well, you know, that, that looks a bit like her, you know, dark hair, weird haircut. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to chuck someone in as well. Uh, I think, I don't know why in this film, but I see if Amelie's running the cafe, I see almost a chef 
behind the scenes who keeps getting flustered, who doesn't know what he's doing, but he, she still su- supports him. Do you know what I mean? That guy yeah, in the kitchen is constantly bashing pans and sure. she's like... Yeah, does, yeah. Does, like wasting doesn't sound, hundreds. Doesn't sure. sound stereotypical. Cliché. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Jean Renault or... Oh, hell yeah. Love I'm, it. I mean, Love look, I've got about three French people on my list. Go on, it's obviously Jean Renault or Vincent, Vincent Cassel. Oh, Vincent Cassell Vincent, yeah Vincent Cassell or uh, Gerard Depardieu <laughs> yeah terrible okay. it is about well, that isn't Jean Reno yeah. in the kitchen just as the flustered chef is brilliant that's inspired so, Mar- Mar- Marianne Cotillard oh yeah of course sorry <laughs> Ju- you know, and, and the, the cast of Julia um, <laughs> cast of uh, uh, what's it called um, call, my call, call my agent call my agent I thought you were going to say Les Mis, in. the cast of Les Mis. Okay, well, I think we're going to exit out of the cast because I think, you know, we've reached the bottom of the barrel and we're now digging through it to the floor. So who is up for the director in this film? Paul Pogba. Um, Paul Pogba. <laughs> da- da- directorial debut, Paul Pogba. You know what, though? A, guy, a footballer who does have enough charm to be in this film is Angolo Kante. Pele. Yeah, he could be. Well, Eric Cantona is actually in Poobies. Cantona is an actor now, yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout yeah, I saw him in an advert very recently. He's doing adverts and he did. There was an actually a film about him, wasn't there? Mm. Um, mm. All right, so Cantona's in. Brilliant. Uh, let's go. <laughs> well, he could play, the, he could, yeah, right. could play your chef, mate. Yeah, he could. We got... Uh, I think... I think, <laughs> that's, that's, I think to, that's quite good casting as well. Fair play. <laughs> to, your point, fair play. to your point about director, I think, I think we're bringing... Uh, what's his name? Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Yeah, I think we're bringing him back, but more more. Sp- like more than that, we're bringing the entire team back, right? Same screenwriter, so. same director, <laughs> same Makes sense, set right? designer, same costume design, like all of it. Cause it's just too, yeah. it's, it, 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 well, it's certainly like unique to this film. It, you can't try and, you know, recreate any of that. If you want it to look and sound like that first movie, you've got to bring the whole, the whole crew back. Yeah. Nice. So, so what's it called? Je m'appelle Amelie. Um, that's, well, my fr- that's my French. Interestingly, um, <laughs> the first the first movie wasn't called Amelie in France. Do you know that? No, it wasn't. I didn't yeah, know that. It, it, the it, fabulous no. something. Was the it? fabulous the f- destiny of Amelie Poulon. Yeah, lovely. Um, I don't. I'm, I don't know why I threw that in there, but I found it surprising. Doesn't help, does it? It's one Doesn't of those wonder, um, wonderful, whimsical titles that, yeah, like our market. Just so work, French, work, work, isn't it? Our market's not happy with yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a shame I I actually weirdly quite like Amelie Returns for this in a sort of like <laughs> superhero again returns every no, week I like it I like it I like Two. it for this because you could have her like in the mask like in, in her sort of like film. in her superhero get up like you know in her Zorro sort of thing which she does once and like yeah, what the photos are you talking in it a bit, about? But, you know. that is, seriously, for you, mate, that is low. <laughs> all right, well, think, well, I, right, okay. What have you got? Part do have you? No, no. I haven't. Although I, I was, was thinking, thinking about the hotshots route. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I've got um, go on, John. A- Amelie's revenge. Fuck's sake! <laughs> Even though what there's about, no revenge in it, but the mark well, of the, the mark cafe? of Amelie play up to the Zorro mark of. What Amelie. about the cafe? Is it not? Is it not something that is more about cafe de whatever Caf- the name of the cafe, cafe is de called? Amelie. Well, something like that. Café de Poulon. That could be the name of the film because it's all centred around the café. Do you still think my idea is shit? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why don't we just call it Cantona? Well, part <laughs> de, to be honest, is pretty good. I mean, that's, that's yeah. What about, what about, you know, um, 
the, I'm a, there's actually a really good shot of one going under the grill. Big fan of a croque madame. Croque madame Amelie, and that could be... <laughs> what? <laughs> Croc Madame Amelie. I don't know. It's like, it's like it's li- literally ham sandwich, Sharon. No, no, not ham sandwich. That's a croque monsieur. Cheese, whatever it is, sandwich out. I thought the word Madame was, I was pulling it, I was clutching at straws. Ow, I, you know, ow, ow. You've got it. You've nailed it. Madame Poulain. Well, that's nice. Oh, yeah. you nailed that, Al. That was all you. <laughs> Let's face it. If, if the, if, if the international markets rejected the first title and wanted to strip it down to Amelie, I'm pretty sure they're going to insist on Amelie being in the in the title of the yeah. the new one. All right, part de then in it. Amelie well, part de. Yeah, which Brilliant. actually tra- which it actually is quite easily translated to uh, part, part two. Part two in our language. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. In case you didn't know, boys. Okay, well, look, we've come back round to it. We've done well there. Fair play. You know, it's got a bit of holes in it. You know, part de, Amelie returns, but, you know, it's all there. Who wants to seal the deal on this one? It's going to be a brave man that takes it on. Oh, No, you can't shake your head, John. That's. I can shake my head. Just did, mate. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, I'm looking at you for this. Do you want me to go for this? Um, yeah, I do. All right, and I might need a bit of help because I got a bit lost uh, uh, along on. the go on, big boy. way. Um, but we return with Amelie Part Deux. Uh, 20 <laughs> years later, uh, we have a lovely montage to the classic music of the first film, the piano score by, is it Jan Tiersen? Yes. Uh, yeah, that we have that stringing together a sort of... Uh, yet again, we have an upstyle montage of uh, the last twenty years of Amelie and what's his name, Nino. Yeah, Nino Nino yeah. Okay, yeah, we've got Go Amelie on, Jay, and Nino. Say that. Nino uh, living, living sort of a nice life, but it's got sort of highs and lows. You know, you, you, they they go for a scan. They, it's made clear that they are unable to um, <laughs> procreate during this. The really, montage. really is up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's just yeah. up. All oh, right. Shut it's up. Just, it's just go. up. Give us the pitch, Joe. Up. You've been listening to this. <laughs> um, oh, so you, uh, you come back in on the main story at the funeral of Amelie's papa. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of deeply sad, but done in a sort of dark comic kind of way that makes you sort of, you know, smile. Um, sets her down a bit of a, uh, a, a, a bad road. Um, she, until now, she'd been living quite happily, running a cafe, uh, while Nino is running a, a strip club. So she goes down, she's, it sends her down a bit of a, uh, a path of trying to fix other people's problems, when instead what she should be doing is looking inward on herself and trying to figure out how to be happy regardless of like you know what what life what challenges life throws at her meanwhile um a child that looks awfully like young amelie uh sort of like eight i don't know eight eight to ten year old uh young girl uh discovers um a box of treasures of amelie's um we have lots of sort of flashbacks to young amelie maybe there is an opportunity for some de-aging there as we go back into like (laughs) amelie of like 20 years ago see her hiding a box or or dropping a box you know just forgets about it this young child discovers the box starts piecing things together starts leaving clues for amelie um amelie starts seeing this child like popping up sort of like all over paris uh, a bit confused as to who she is. Um, by the end, befriends this child, realizes that she doesn't actually need this, you know, this 
she doesn't need uh, children in life to be happy. She can live, uh, she can find happiness in the relationships that she has with everyone else around her, including this young Amelie type character, this young child. Uh, crescendo, I don't know. We realize she's happy. Film ends. Amelie Part Deux, uh, directed by Jean Pierre Jornet and the the whole cast are back the whole crew are back eric Cant featuring an eric cantona um and jean renault as an angry chef uh gerard depardieu as a taxi driver and <laughs> angolo Cante as a okay key cutter Joe, that was good. Just going off on the footballer route there. Uh, what would you have done differently as ever? Hit us up. Uh, any ideas you want us to do at the moment? We're certainly up for that. But uh, yeah, come and say hi. But more importantly, as ever, we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Cheers, guys. <laughs>